Book Nine, Chapter One of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter One A Water Party. The ball dress of Camilla was not yet ready when she set out for the amusement of the morning. Melmont, upon this occasion, was forced into the excursion. His sister represented so pathetically the ungrateful ill-breeding of sequestering himself from a company of which it must so publicly be judged Eugenia would make one, with the impossibility, or for ever escaping the sight of Indiana, that he could not in common decency any longer postponed the double meeting he almost equally dreaded and this with all that could aggravate its misery from seeing the two objects together immediately occurred sir hugh tyrrell's coach containing miss margland indiana eugenia and dr orkborne was arrived just before that of mrs burlington and the morning being very fine they had just alighted to join the company assembling upon the beach for the expedition miss margland still continued to exact the attendance of the doctor though his wry looks and sluggish pace always proclaimed his ill-will to the task but clermont the only proper bow for her parties was completely unattainable he had connected himself with young halder and his associates from whom, while he received instructions relative to the stables and the dog-kennels, he returned with suitable edification lessons on the culinary art. Melmont, deeply distressed, besought his sister not to alight till the last moment. She pitied him too sincerely not to comply, and in a very short time she had herself an aggregate of almost all the gentlemen on the beach before the coach. Among these, the first to press forward were the two west winds, each enraptured to again see Camilla, and the most successful in obtaining notice was Lord Valhurst, with whom Camilla still thought it prudent, however irksome to discourse, rather than receive again the assiduities of Henry. But her mind, far from them all, was hovering on the edge of the shore where Edgar was walking. Edgar, for some time past, had joined the utmost uneasiness, what conduct to pursue with regard to the friends of Camilla, to the heart-rending decision of parting from her for ever. He soon learnt the new and dangerous manner in which Mrs. Burlington spent her evenings, and the idea that most naturally occurred to him was imparting it to Mr. Tyrold. But in what way could he address that gentleman, without first knowing if Camilla had acquainted him with the step she had taken? He felt too strongly the severe blow it would prove, not to wish softening it with every palliation, and while these still lingering feelings aved his proceedings. His servants learned from Molly Mill that Melmont had been favourably received at Cleves, as a suitor to Eugenia finding so near an alliance likely to take place with the brother he gave up his plan of remonstrating against the sister except in private counsel to camilla for which and for uttering his fearful adieu he was now waiting but to speak to her unobserved still however with pain unabating he saw the eager approach to her of henry with disgust that of lord valhurst 
and with alarm the general heard. Lord Purville, the young nobleman who deemed it worth while to be at the expense of several hundred pounds in order to let the world know how old he was, now with his mother, a widow lady, and some other relations, came down in a superb new equipage to the waterside. Mrs. Burlington could not be so singular as not to join in the general crowd that flocked around them with congratulations, and all parties in a few minutes were assembled on one spot. Edgar, when he had spoken to the group to which the honours of the day belonged, made up to Camilla, gravely inquired after her health, and then placed himself as near to her as he was able, in the hope of conferring with her when the company began to move. Her spirits now rose, and her prospects reopened to their wished termination. All her regret was for Henry, who saw her present avoidance, and bemoaned her long absence with a sadness that reproached and afflicted her. A very fine yacht and three large pleasure-boats were in readiness for this company, surrounded by various other vessels of all sorts and conditions, which were filled with miscellaneous parties, who meant to partake the same gales for their own diversion or curiosity. The invited set was now summoned to the water, Lord Purville and his relations leading the way by a small boat to the yacht, to which Mrs. Burlington and the Cleves party were particularly selected guests. Camilla, depending upon the assistance of Edgar in passing through the boat to the yacht, so obviously turned from Henry that he lost all courage for persevering in addressing her, and was even, though most unwillingly, retiring from a vicinity in which he seemed palpably obtrusive, had not his father insisted upon detaining him, whispering, be of good heart, Hal. The girl will come round yet. Edgar kept equally near her, with a design that was the counterpart of her own wish, of offering her his hand when it was her turn to enter the boat. But they were both disappointed. The peer, not waiting that rotation, presented her his arm as soon as Lady Purville had led the way. There was no redress, though Camilla was as much provoked as either of the young rivals. Lord Valhurst did not long exult in his victory. The unsteadiness of the boat made him rather want help for himself than find force to bestow it upon another, and, upon mounting at the helm to pass her on to the yacht, he tottered, his foot slipped, and he must have sunk between the two vessels, had not a waterman caught him up and dragged him into the yacht, with no further misfortune than a bruised shin, wet legs and feet, and a deplorably rueful countenance from mingled fright and mortification. Edgar, not fully unsuspicious such an accident might happen, was starting into the boat to snatch Camilla from its participation, when he felt himself forcibly pulled back, and saw at the same moment Henry, who had also started forward, but whom nothing had retarded, anticipate his purpose and aid her into the yacht looking round to see by what or by whom he had so unaccountably been stopped he perceived old mr westwin his forefinger upon his nose in sign of silence and secrecy grasping him by the coat what is the humour of this sir cried he indignantly mr westwin still making his token for discretion and bending forward to speak in his ear said do there's a good soul let my boy help that young lady 
Hal will be much obliged to you, I can tell you, and he is a very good lad. The nature of Edgar was too candid to suffer his wrath to resist a request so simple in sincerity, but deeply he sighed to find, by its implication, that the passion of Henry was thus still fed with hopes. The passing of other ladies with their esquires prevented him, who had no lady he wished to conduct, from making his way yet into the yacht, and the honest old gentleman, detained by the same reason, entered promptly into the history of the present situation of his son with regard to Camilla, relating frankly that he thought her the sweetest girl in the world, except that she did not know her own mind for she had been so pleased with his son first of all, that he really thought he should oblige her by making it a match. "'Which I could not,' added he, "'have the heart to refuse to a girl that gave the boy such a good character. You'd be surprised to know how she took to him. You may be proud,' says she to me, "'you may be proud of your son, which is what I shall never forget, for though I loved Hal just the same before, I never could tell but what it was only because he was my own, and I am so afraid of behaving like a blind old goose that I often snub Hal, when he is no more to blame than I am myself, for fear of his getting out of my hands, and behaving like a certain young man he has been brought up with, and who, I assure you, deserved to have his ears cropped ten times a day for one piece of impudence or other. I should not have been sorry if he'd fallen into the water along with that old lord, whom I don't wish much good to neither, for, between friends, it seems to me that it's he that has put her out of conceit with my poor Hal, for all of a sudden nobody can tell why nor wherefore she takes it into her head there's nothing else worth listening to but just his old compliments. And my poor Hal, after thinking she had such a kindness for him, that he had nothing to do but put on his best coat for i told him i'd have none of his new-fangled modes of affronting my worthy old friend by doing to him like a postilion with a cropped head and half a coat after thinking he'd only to ask his consent for he'd got mine without ever a word all at once without the least quarrel or either i or hal giving her the least offence she won't so much as let him speak to her, but turns off to that old fellow that tumbled into the water there, and had near made her slip in after, if it had not been for my son stopping her, which I shan't forget your kindness in letting him do. But what's more, she won't speak to me neither, though all I want is to ask her the reason of her behavior, which I shall certainly do if I can catch her any five minutes away from that lord for you'll never believe what good friends we were before she took so to him we three that is she and i and hal used to speak to nobody else scarce poor hal thought he'd got it all his own way and i can't but own i thought as much myself for there was no knowing she'd hold herself so above us all at once i assure you if we don't bring her to it will go pretty hard with us for i like her just as well as hal does I'd have made over to them the best half of my income immediately. Edgar had never yet felt such serious displeasure against Camilla as seized him upon this artless narrative. To have trifled thus, and, as he believed, most wantonly with the feelings and peace of two amiable persons, whether from the vanity of making a new conquest, 
or the tyranny of persecuting an old one, showed a love of power the most unjustifiable, and a levity the most unpardonable. And when he considered himself as exactly in the same suspensive embarrassment as a young man of little more than a fortnight's acquaintance, he felt indignantly ashamed of so humiliating a rivalry, and a strong diminution of regret at his present purpose. Melmont, meanwhile, pressed by his sister, seconded by his own sense of propriety, had forced himself to the Cleves party, and, after bowing civilly to Miss Margland, who courteously smiled upon one who she imagined would become master of Cleves, and most profoundly to Indiana, who, coloured but deigned not the smallest salutation in return, offered his hand to Eugenia, but with a mind so absorbed and steps so uncertain that he was unable to afford her any assistance, and her lameness and helplessness made her so much require it that she was in danger of falling every moment. Yet she felt in paradise, she thought him but enfeebled, as she was enfeebled herself, by a tender sensibility, and danger, therefore, was not merely brave, it was dear, it was precious to her. Indiana now consoled her mortification with the solace of believing a retaliation at hand that would overcome the otherwise indelible disgrace of being superseded by Eugenia in a conquest. Full of her own little scheme, she imperiously refused all offers of aid, and walked on alone, till crossing the boat she gave a shriek at every step, made hazardous by her wilful rejection of assistance, and acted over again the charm of terror, of which she well recollected the power upon a former occasion. These were sounds to vibrate but too surely to the heart of Melmont. He turned involuntarily to look at her. Her beauty had all its original enchantment, and he snatched away his eyes. He led on her whom still less he durst view, but another glance, thus surprised from him, showed Indiana unguarded, unprotected. His imagination painted her immediately in a watery grave, and seeing Eugenia safe, though not accommodated, he rushed back to the boat, and with trembling respect implored her to accept his aid. Triumphant now, she conceived herself in her turn, and looking at him with haughty disdain, said she chose to go alone, and when again he conjured her not to risk her precious safety, added, "'You know, you don't care about it, so pray go to your Miss Eugenia Tyrold.' Young Melmont, delicate, refined, and well-bred, was precise amongst the first to feel that a reply such as this must be classed amongst the reverse of those three epithets had it come from any mouth but that of indiana but love is deaf as well as blind to every defect of its chosen object during the season of passion from her therefore this answer leaving unobserved the littleness and spleen which composed it retained but so much of meaning as belongs to announcing jealousy, and in giving him that idea, filled him with sensations that almost tore him asunder. Urged by her pique, she contrived, and with real risk, to jump into the yacht alone, though, if swayed by any less potent motive, she would sooner have remained in the boat the whole day. But what is the strength which may be put upon a par with inclination? 
and what the general courage that partial enterprise will not exceed. Melmond, who only to some amiable cause could attribute whatever flowed from so beautiful an object, having once started the idea of jealousy, could give its source only to love. The impure spring of envy entered not into his suggestions. What then was his distraction to think himself so greatly miserable, to believe he was secretly favoured by Indiana at the instant of his first devoirs to another? Duty and desire were equally urgent to be heard. He shrunk in utter despondence from the two objects that seemed to personify both, and retreated to the utmost of his power from the sight of either. Miss Margland had more than echoed every scream of Indiana, though nobody had seemed to hear her. Dr. Orkborn, the only bore she could compel into her service, was missing. Her eye and voice alike everywhere demanded him in vain. He neither appeared to her view, nor answered her indignant calls. Nor, indeed, though she forced his attendance, had she the most remote hope of inspiriting him to any gallantry. But still he was a man, and she thought it a mark of consequence to have one in her train. Nor was it by any means nothing to her to torment Dr. Orkborn with her reproaches. To dispositions highly irascible, it is frequently more gratifying to have a subject of complaint than of acknowledgment. The ladies being now all accommodated upon the deck, sailing orders were giving, when an holla, holla, making the company look round, Linmere desired to be admitted. All the party intended for the yacht were already on board and Lord Perville told Mr. Linmere he would find a very good place in one of the pleasure-boats, but he answered he was just come from them, and preferred going in the yacht. Lord Perville then only hoped the ladies would excuse being a little crowded. Edgar had already glided in, and Mr. Westwin had openly declared, when asked to go to one of the boats, that he always went where Hal went, be it where it might. Clermont, now elbowing his way into a group of gentlemen, and addressing himself to young Halder, who was amongst them, said, "'Do you know what they've got to eat here?' "'No.' "'What the deuce! Have not you examined the larder? I have been looking over the three boats. There's nothing upon earth, so I came to see if I could do any better here.' Halder vowed if there was nothing to eat, he would sooner jump overboard and swim to shore than go starving on. "'Starving?' said Mr. Westwin. "'Why, I saw myself several baskets of provisions taken into each of the boats.' "'Only ham and fowls,' answered Clermont contemptuously. "'Only ham and fowls? Why, what would you have?' "'Oh, the devil!' answered he, making faces. Not that antediluvian stuff. Anything's better than ham and fowls. Stilton cheese, for instance, cried Mr. Westwin with a wrathful sneer that made Clermont, who could not endure, yet for many reasons could not resent it, hastily decamp from his vicinity. Mr. Westwin, looking after the young epicure, with an expression of angry scorn, now took the arm of Edgar, whose evident interest in his first communication encouraged further confidence, and said, 
that person that you see walk that way just now is a fellow that i have a prodigious longing to give a good caning to i can't say i like him yet he's nephew and heir to the very best man in the three kingdoms however i heartily hope his uncle will disinherit him for he's a poor fool as well as a sorry fellow i love to speak my mind plainly edgar was ill-disposed to conversation and intent only upon camilla who was now seated between mrs burlington and eugenia and occupied by the fine prospects everywhere open to her yet he explained the error of clermont's being heir as well as nephew to sir hugh at which the old gentleman almost jumping with surprise and joy said why then who's to pay all his debts at leipzig i can't say but what i'm glad to hear this i hope he'll be sent to prison with all my heart to teach him a little better manners for my old friend will never cure him he spoils young people prodigiously i don't believe he'd so much as give em a horse-whipping let em do what they would that ain't my way ask how here he stopped disturbed by a new sight which displaced clermont from his thoughts camilla to whom the beauties of nature had mental as well as visual charms from the blessings as well as pleasure she had from childhood been instructed to consider as surrounding them was so enchanted by the delicious scenery every way courting her eyes the transparent brightness of the noble piece of water upon which she was sailing the richness and verdure of its banks the still and gently gliding motion of the vessel the clearness of the heavens and the serenity of the air that all her cares for a while would have been lost in admiring contemplation had she not painfully seen the eternal watching of henry for her notice and gathered from the expression of his eyes his intended expostulation the self-reproach with which she felt how ill she could make her defence joined to a sincere and generous wish to spare him the humiliation of rejection made her seek so to engage herself as to prevent the possibility of his uttering two sentences following but as this was difficult with eugenia who was lost in silent meditation upon her own happiness or mrs burlington was occupied in examining the beauty so fatal to the repose of her brother she had found such trouble in eluding him that when she saw lord valerst advance from the cabin where he had been drying and refreshing himself she welcomed him as a resource and taking advantage of the civility she owed him for what he had suffered in esquiring her gave him her sole attention always persuaded his admiration was but a sort of old-fashioned politeness equally without design in itself or subject for comment in others but what is so hard to judge as the human heart the fairest observers misconstrue all motives to action where any received prepossession has found an hypothesis to edgar this conduct appeared the most degrading fondness for adulation and to mr westwin a tyrannical caprice meant to mortify his son i hope you saw that i hope you saw that cried he for now i don't care a pin for her any longer and if hal is such a mere fool as ever to think of her any more i'll never see his face again as long as i live 
after looking askew at the poor boy all this time, to turn about and make way for that nasty old fellow, as who should I say, I'll speak to nothing but a lord, is what I shall never forgive, and I wish I had never seen the girl, nor Hal neither, I can't say I like such ways, I can't abide them. A sigh that then escaped Edgar would have told a more discerning person that he came in for his ample share in the same wish. And after all, continued he, being a lord is no such great feat that ever I could learn. Hal might be a lord too, if he could get a title. There is nothing required for it but what any man may have. Nobody asks after what he can do or what he can say. If he's got a good head, it's well and if he has not, it's all one. And that's what you can't say of such a likely young fellow as my son. You may see twenty for one that's as well looking. Indeed, to my mind, I don't know that I ever saw a prettier lad in my life. So she might do worse. I promise her, though she has used my son so shabbily, I don't like her the better for it. I assure her, and so you may tell her, if you please. I'm no great friend to not speaking my mind. The fear of being too late for the evening's arrangements made Lord Purville, after two hours' sail, give orders for veering about. The ladies were advised to go into the cabin during this evolution, and Camilla was amongst those who most readily complied, for the novelty of viewing what she had not yet seen. But when, with the rest, she was returning to the deck, Lord Valhurst just descended entreated her to stop one moment. Not at all conjecturing his reason, she knew not how to refuse, but innocently begged him to speak quick, as she was in haste not to lose any of the beautiful landscapes they were passing. "'Ah, what!' cried the enamoured peer. "'What in the world is beautiful in any comparison with yourself?' To me no possible object can have such charms, and I have now no wish remaining but never to lose sight of it. Amazed beyond all measure, she stared at him a moment in silence, and then, confirmed by his looks that he was serious, would have left the cabin with precipitance, but preventing her from passing. "'Charming, Miss Tyrold,' he cried. Let the confession of my flame meet your favour, and I will instantly make my proposals to your friends. To Camilla this offer appeared as little delicate as its maker was attractive, yet she thought herself indebted for its general purport, and, as soon as her astonishment allowed her, gracefully thanked him for the honour of his good opinion, but entreated him to make no application to her friends, as it would not be in her power to concur in their consent. Concluding this to be modest shyness, he was beginning a passionate protestation of the warmth of his regard when the effusion was stopped by the appearance of Edgar. Little imagining so serious a scene to be passing as the few words he now gathered gave him to understand his perplexity at her not returning with the other ladies, made him suggest this to be a favourable moment to cease for following her himself and demanding the sort though dreaded conference but when he found that his lordship instead of making as he had supposed his usual fond yet unmeaning compliments was pompously offering his hand he precipitately retired no liveliness of temper had injured in camilla the real modesty of her character 
a sense therefore of obligation for this partiality accompanied its surprise and was preparing her for repeating the rejection with acknowledgments though with firmness when the sight of edgar brought an entirely new train of feelings and ideas into her mind oh happy moment thought she he must have heard enough of what has passed to know me at least to be disinterested he must see now it was himself not his situation in life i was so prompt in accepting and if again he manifests the same preference i may receive it with more frankness than ever for he will see my whole heart sincerely singly inviolably his own bewitched with this notion she escaped from the pier and ran up to the deck with the renovation of animal spirits so high so lively and so buoyant that she scarce knew what she said or did from the uncontrollable gaiety which made every idea dance to a happiness new even to her happy mind whoever she looked at she smiled upon to whatever was proposed she assented scarce could she restrain her voice from involuntarily singing or her feet from instinctively dancing edgar compared with what he now felt believed that hitherto he had been a stranger to what wonder meant is this thought he camilla has she wilfully fascinated this old man seriously to win him and has she won him but to triumph in the vanity of her conquest how is her delicacy perverted what is become of her sensibility is this the artless camilla modest as she was gay docile as she was spirited gentle as she was intelligent oh how spoilt how altered how gone camilla little suspicious of this construction thought it would be now equally wrong to speak any more with either henry or lord valhurst and talked with all others indiscriminately changing her object with almost every speech a moment's reflection would have told her that quietness alone in her present situation could do justice to the purity of her intentions but reflection is rarely the partner of happiness in the youthful breast it is commonly brought by sorrow and flies at the first dawn of returning joy thus while she dispensed to all around with views the most innocent her gay and almost wild felicity the very delight to which she owed her animation of believing she was evincing to edgar with what singleness she was his own gave her the appearance in his judgment of a finished a vain and all-accomplished coquette the exaltation of her ideas brightened her eyes into a vivacity almost dazzling gave an attraction to her smiles that was irresistible the charm of fascination to the sound of her voice to her air a thousand nameless graces and to her manner an expression an enchantment power so captivating now for the first time united with the facility of intercourse soon drew around her all the attendant admiring ball no animal is more gregarious than a fashionable young man who whatever may be his abilities to think rarely decides and still less frequently acts for himself he may wish he may appreciate internally with justice and wisdom but he only says and only does what some other man of fashion 
higher in vouch or older in courage has said or has done before him the young lord purville the star of the present day was now drawn into the magic circle of camilla this was full sufficient to bring into it every minor luminary of his constellation and even the resplendent and incomparable beauty of indiana even the soft and melting influence of the expressively lovely mrs burlington gave way to the superior ascendance of that varied grace and winning vivacity which seemed instinctively sharing with the beholders its own pleasure and animation to edgar alone this gave her not new charms he saw in her more of beauty but less of interest the sentence dictated by dr marchmont as the watchword to his feelings were she mine recurred to him incessantly alas he thought with this dissipated delight in admiration what individual can make her happy to the rational serenity of domestic life she is lost again as he viewed the thickening group before her offering fresh and fresh incense which her occupied mind scarce perceived though her elevated spirits unconsciously encouraged he internally exclaimed oh if a trusting father saw her thus her father who with all his tender lenity has not the blind indulgence of her uncle how would he start how would his sense of fair propriety be revolted or if her mother her respectable mother beheld thus changed thus undignified thus open to all flattery and all flatterers her no longer peerless daughter how would she blush how would the tint of shame rob her impressive countenance of its noble confidence these thoughts were too agitating for observation his eyes moistened with sadness in associating to his disappointment that of her revered and exemplary parents and he retreated from her sight till the moment of landing when with sudden desperation melancholy yet determined he told himself he would no longer be withheld from fulfilling his purpose he made way then to the group though with unsteady steps his eye pierced through to camilla she caught and fixed it he felt cold but still advanced she saw the change but did not understand it he offered her his hand before lady purville arose to lead the way lest some competitor should seize it she accepted it rather surprised by such sudden promptness though encouraged by it to a still further dependence upon her revived and sanguine expectations yet deeper sunk this flattering illusion when she found his whole frame was shaking and saw his complexion every moment varying she continued though in a less disengaged manner her sprightly discourse with the group for he uttered not a word content that he had secured her hand he waited an opportunity less public lady purville who possessed that true politeness of a well-bred woman of rank who knows herself never so much respected as when she lays aside her heraldic claims to superiority would not quit the yacht of which she did the honours till every other lady was conducted to the shore edgar had else proposed to have detained camilla in the vessel a moment later than her party to hear the very few words it was his intention to speak 
Frustrated of this design, he led her away with the rest, still totally silent, till her feet touched the beach. She was then, with seeming carelessness, withdrawing her hand to trip off to Mrs. Burlington. But Edgar, suddenly grasping it, tremulously said, Will it be too much presumption in a rejected man to beg the honor of three minutes' conference with Miss Tyrrell before she joins her party? A voice piercing from the deep could not have caused in Camilla a more immediate revulsion of ideas, but she was silent in her turn, and he led her along the beach, while Mrs. Burlington, attended by a train of beaux, went to her carriage, where, thus engaged, she contentedly waited. "'Do not fear,' he resumed, when they had passed the crowd, "'do not fear to listen to me, though, once more, I venture to obtrude upon you some advice.' let it not displease you it is in the spirit of the purest good will it is singly solely and disinterestedly as a friend camilla was now all emotion pale she turned but edgar did not look at her and she strove to thank him in a common manner and to appear cool and unmoved my opinion my fears rather concerning mrs burlington as i find she hopes soon for a near connection with your family will henceforth remain buried in my own breast. Yet should you to any use hereafter remember them, I shall rejoice, though should nothing ever recur to remind you of them, I shall rejoice still more. Nor will I again torment you about that very underbred woman who inhabits the same house, and who everywhere boasts an intimacy with its two ladies, that is heard with general astonishment nor yet upon another and far more important topic will i now touch the present evening recreation at mrs burlington's i know you are merely a spectatress and i will not alarm your friends nor dwell myself upon collateral mischiefs or eventual dangers from a business that in three days will end by your restoration to the most respectable of all protections all that now i mean to enter upon all that now i wish to enforce a few words will comprise and those words will be my he would have said my last but his breath failed him he stopped he wanted her to seize his meaning unpronounced and though it came to her as a thunderbolt from heaven its very horror helped her she divined what he could not utter by feeling what she could not hear few indeed cried he in broken accents must be these final words but how can i set out upon my so long procrastinated tour with an idea that you are not in perfect safety yet without attempting to point out to you your danger and yet that you should be surrounded by admirers can create no wonder that you should feel your power without displeasure is equally natural I scarcely know, therefore, what I would urge, yet perhaps untold you may conceive what struggles in my breast, and do justice to the conflict between friendship and respect, where one prompts a freedom which the other trembles to execute. I need not, I think, say that to offend you is nearly the only thing that could aggravate the affliction of this parting. Camilla turned aside from him but not to weep her spirit was now reawakened by resentment that he could thus propose a separation without inquiring if she persisted to desire it 
I tire you, resumed he mournfully, yet can you be angry that a little I linger? Farewell, however the grave, when it closes in upon me, can alone end my prayers for your felicity. I commit folly to you my character and my conduct, with regard to your most honoured father, whom I beseech and conjure you to assure my eternal gratitude and affection. But I am uncertain of your wishes. I will therefore depart without seeing him. When I return to this country, all will be forgotten or remembered only by me, he meant to say. But he checked himself, and with forced composure went on that i travel not with any view of pleasure you who know what i leave how i prize what i lose and how lately i thought all i most coveted mine for ever will easily believe but if earthly bliss is the lot of few what right had i to expect being so selected severe as this moment with blessings not with murmurs i quit you blessings which my life could it be useful to you should consecrate if you were persuaded our dispositions would not assimilate if mine appeared to you too rigorous too ungenial your timely precaution has spared more misery than it has inflicted how could i have borne the light when it had shown me camilla unhappy yet camilla my own his struggle here grew vain his voice faltered the resentment of camilla forsook her she raised her head and was turning to him her softened countenance and filling eyes when she saw melmont and a party of gentlemen fast approaching her from mrs burlington edgar saw them too and cutting short all he meant to have added kissed without knowing what he did the lace of her cloak and ejaculating be heaven your guard and happiness your portion left her hand to that of melmont which was held out to her and slightly bowing to the whole party walked slowly and frequently looking back away while camilla nearly blinded now by tears that would no longer be restrained kept her eyes fixedly upon the earth and was drawn more dead than alive by melmont to the coach end of chapter one Read by Lars Rolander.